Eye on 2020, episode 88. Have 2020 vision with Eye on 2020, the podcast that brings you all the news and events in the lead up to the next presidential election. I am Ray Eaton, and I will keep you up to date as we approach November 2020 with a libertarian perspective of all the candidates and their policies along with the news. Thank you for tuning in. Now let's clear our vision. What's up, everybody? Happy Monday to you. It is Ray, your host of ION 2020, bringing you another week of great news, great entertainment, great things that are going on, uh, or if you look at it from a pessimistic side, terrible things that are going on with regards to this 2020 election and the things that uh, the news events that are being made, the, the, the things that these candidates are talking about, their policies, their proposals their desire to steal your money that is what we are going to talk about constantly uh as we lead up to this 2020 election every single day i'll be bringing you as much of that news as i can from a libertarian perspective because this is a libertarian show and i may not be as pure libertarian anarcho-capitalist as some of you guys might be or whatever i'm not sure you know you always hear people talk about that you're not a pure enough libertarian but you know what i take everything from the from the point of view that you need to take power away from the federal government, you need to take power away from the governments in general and give it to the individual. And that is the standpoint that I come from. Uh, individual responsibility, non-aggression, and everything else stems from there. So that that's the way that I'm going to take it every single day. So I appreciate you standing by me and listening, though, and I appreciate you keeping on coming back. If you are a first-time listener, You probably want to go ahead and subscribe to the show because you can hear what I'm going to talk about tomorrow and the next day. And then also be aware that I have 88 shows listed right now and uh, 87 before this one. So go ahead and uh, listen to those as well. You know, there's there's some good ones out there. The first few are pretty rough. I don't want to take those down though because you got to go... Uh, starting at number one, but that those first five, six episodes or so, I had no idea what I was doing. I still feel like I have no idea what I'm doing. I, sometimes I feel like I'm just talking out of my out of my rear, if you know what I mean. And uh, you know, you want to make sure that you're preparing as much as possible for these shows. You want to make sure that you are and I'm putting together the right content for you. I think about these things all day long, and then I basically uh, start doing a little research and finding a little bit of information that you might be interested in hearing. And then at that point, I go ahead and record these shows for you as well. So I'm doing that Monday through Friday. Uh, I've been doing it five days a week since about the beginning of January. I think it was the day that Elizabeth Warren officially decided that she was going to run for president. No, actually, I think it was when she formed her exploratory committee was the day that I decided to go ahead and throw throw out my first episode and I just was trying it out to see if I like it I really enjoy what I'm and I really enjoy doing it though every single day I, I love bringing new content to you. it's only 30 minutes or so and it takes me about maybe 45 minutes to an hour of my own work just to get this thing out there so it, and my wife always asks me about it and I say hey, listen it's a hobby it's something that I'm enjoying doing right now uh and you know you guys just keep on coming back and listening and I appreciate that and I appreciate the uh, people that subscribe to the show as well as those that uh, would give me a review as well and a five star rating so go ahead and do that if you can 
And uh, then you can, you can check me out on the Facebook page and also on the Twitter handle, Eye on the Empire. Search those and you'll find them. And then we're eyeontheempire.com. And that's where we're, I'm just posting uh, news and related events that go along with the uh, 2020 election, but also things that are going on around the world that this federal government that we have what they are doing i'm just you know making sure that you're aware of what what's going on around the world as well as domestic policy also uh today today i want to talk about something that is near and dear to my heart and that is uh the idea that majority rules in this country my feeling on this has always been you know you always hear oh well donald trump didn't get 50 percent of the vote hillary clinton got 51%, Donald Trump got 48%, and so forth, and they didn't win the popular vote and all that, right? You always hear that stuff, and you always hear people say, you know, about democracy, oh, majority rules, and if 50, you know, 51% say yes, and 49% say no, then the 49% have to go along with the tyranny of the 51%, and they would never call it tyranny, but they just say, hey, you have to go along with it, because we all voted for it, right? So this idea that majority rules in this country and the, I mean, you always hear, I mean, from the, from the very beginning, when you're a kid, you start hearing about it, that this is a democracy and that this, you know, that majority rules and so forth. Uh, but what I wanted to get into was just this idea that majority does not rule. It's a myth. It's a myth. It's mythology. Uh, it's something that you hear and you think that, oh yeah, Donald Trump is president because he won the, you know, he won the electoral college, but that your assumption is that everyone in America voted and everything else. And here we are, we're ruled by somebody like Donald Trump or we're ruled by someone like Barack Obama. And if you really get into the numbers and into the facts of this, you start to see something that is very telling. And that's what I wanted to get into today. So first of all, let me pull up, let me go ahead and pull up the information that I have uh, on the primaries, because that's the, that's the most telling thing that goes along with this whole scenario is the primaries because what you have is you have a Democrat and a Republican primary that are going on. So these guys are running and what you would do, let's say your primary is on Super Tuesday in February. I actually think it's beginning of March. Your Tuesday your primary for your state is on Super Tuesday, which is in March. Well you've already had Iowa, you've already had South Carolina You've already had New Hampshire. They've already voted. So you probably had a few people drop out by then, especially in a large race like what was happening with the Republicans in 2016 and coming up with the Democrats. It's a very large race. So people are going to be voting in Iowa. People are going to be voting in New Hampshire. People are going to be voting in Nevada and in South Carolina earlier, right? So you're probably going to have a few of these candidates drop out after those things happen. So if you're in one of the Super Tuesday states you're not even going to have a chance to vote in the first place for maybe the person that you'd want to vote for if you were going to vote. And you're only going to be voting for a Republican or a Democrat, but you can't vote for both because you have to choose one or the other, right? So it talks about voter turnout. So what I was reading was about the voter turnout for the primaries. So you're already limited on your choice anyway. Your, your choice is whoever's running. But then if you get to the primary and your choice has already been dropped out, then you are limited to another choice, which would be somebody, maybe your second choice or your third choice or your fifth choice. Um, but if you're in the late primary states, then most likely you're not going to have a choice in the first place. You're going to go and if you, if you even do go and vote for somebody in a primary, 
you're going to be voting for one or two other people. Like in the, the instance of Donald Trump, I think you had the choice between Donald Trump or Ted Cruz by that point. And that's it. So it was one bad or the other bad, your choice. Same thing with, with the Hillary Clinton campaign when she was running against Bernie Sanders. It was you had the choice between Bernie Sanders or Hillary Clinton. And that's about it. All the way through, I think they were fighting it out and duking it out until some of the last states. But still, you that's your only choice in that matter of who you're going to vote for. But if you get into the numbers of it, if you really look deep into the numbers, only about, on at, or last primary, it was like 14% of Americans, voter age Americans, actually voted in the primary for the Republicans. So you had 14% of Americans that got to choose Donald Trump as the leader of the Republican Party, as their candidate. Same thing with Hillary Clinton. You had, I think it was 13% of voter voting age Americans voted for Hillary Clinton, or voted in the primary, sorry. So let me get back to Donald Trump. If only 14% of Americans voted in the primary that were for the Republicans, so 14% of voter-age Americans voted in the primary for for Republicans, then let's say Donald Trump got 8 or 9% of that vote. So 8 or 9% of people got to choose Donald Trump for president. They get into Hillary Clinton, same thing. So her and Bernie, they were neck and neck, right? They even say it's possible that Bernie got the election stolen from him by the DNC because of some stuff that came out with the WikiLeaks uh, emails that were released. So you're looking at 13% of Americans voted in the Democratic primary. That's voter age, people that are 18 or over, right? 13% of those people voted in the primary. So let's say 8% of those voted for Hillary Clinton. So you had 8% of people that were able to choose who the Democratic nominee was going to be at that point. So, literally, about, you know, 18% of people, 17, 18% of people in America chose who the Democratic candidate and the Republican candidate were going to be. Less than 20% of people were the ones that made the decision on whether it was going to be Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton, uh, or Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton in the in the actual election, right? So then they start running. So Donald Trump, you know, by about March, April, May, or whatever, he starts, he knows that he's going to be the presumptive nominee. And then they go to the Republican convention and they nominate Donald Trump as their, as their leader, as well as Hillary Clinton, same thing. She goes to the Democratic convention and they nominate her. Uh, so they're now the nominees for their party. And when literally less than 10% of people voted for those people, to become the nominee. So now everybody in America has two choices at that point. Everybody in America has two choices at that point to vote for Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump. So then you get to the real numbers of what the actual election turnout is then, right? 58% of a voter voting aged Americans voted in the election. 58%. So you cut that right down the middle because Donald Trump got about half, Hillary Clinton got about half. They say Hillary Clinton won the popular vote by, you know, a few hundred thousand or whatever. But if you have 58%, right, that means 
that means, you know, 20, what is that? 29% of people, 29% of people got to, got voted for Donald Trump. 29% voted for Hillary Clinton. Hopefully my mouth's not off because I would sound like a big time idiot. But if you have that, if that's the case, right? 29% voted for Donald Trump, 29% voted. So you have in this America that we live in where majority rules, you had more people not vote than who voted for Donald Trump. You have more people who did not vote. 58%. So you had 42% of people that did not vote for President of the United States that are eligible to vote, that are voting age. 40, so more people did not vote. More people decided to sit on their hands. More people decided that they had better things to do than to go vote for Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton, right? So if majority rules, we would not have a government in this in, the, in America. We would not have all of this bickering back and forth. We would not have politicians up there trying to p- promise you this and that and another thing. When you have 40 two percent of people that decide not to vote 29 percent of people actually voted for donald trump the other 29 percent voted for hillary clinton and that's the person that has to lead our country is someone that gets able to get 29 percent of the people to come out and vote for them to me that does not show me that majority rules that shows me that there is something wrong with the federal government there's something wrong with the system that we live in based upon that now traditionally Historically, in the very beginning of the Republic, in the very beginning of the United States, only 10 to 12 percent of people came out and voted in the first place. Voting age people, only 12, 12, 13 percent. It spiked up a little bit at some points where it would go up to like 30 percent, 25 percent and so forth. But then it would come down. But then after the I believe it was like after the 1830s or so, you start seeing a lot more people come out and voting. And I think that the reason why was because the slavery issue and the... And I don't know if it was specifically the slavery issue as much as it was like the states' rights issue that was being pushed by the northern states and the southern states and this huge division that happened among these states. But by that point, you had 80% of people voting in the elections for president, right? So they felt like it was so important. They felt like making sure they got the right person out there was very important because the southern states had a different economy than northern states and the northern states felt like the southern states was aggressing upon them and the southern states felt like the northern states was going to aggress upon them and so forth right like it was just a matter of that's where that slavery may not have been the entire reason why the civil war happened but it was the thing that divided the northern northern states from the southern states that was the the call to action per se for these for these country or for these states right and that was one of the calls of action for these states so uh, there was other things as well if you look at the history if you look at the writings of the time right before the civil war there was many other reasons why the south decided to succeed uh, but they're but they're they're uniting the thing that united those states was the, that's the fact that they were slave-holding states and that those slaves were able to get three-fifths of a vote per person, right? 
So they were trying to figure out ways to get more vote because they were trying to have more control in the House of Representatives. They were also realizing that in the Senate, the only way they could keep control is that one one thing that united them was that they were slaveholding states, right? So the Senate, um, they were trying to make sure that they can help have at least 50% majority in the Senate as well. That's why you had that Mason-Dixon line where they're going to have um, the, you know, the Southern anything, you know, anytime there's a new state that was going to be admitted to the Union uh, out West, one had to be a slaveholding state, one had to be a non-slaveholding state, and so forth, right? There was a lot of things that caused that. But during that time, you could see the division within the country because 80% of people were getting out there and voting. But traditionally... After that, you start seeing it dip down again until about the, um, or excuse me, it stays about 80%, and then it starts to dip down around like the 1950s or so. It starts dipping down to around 60% of people. But that's the country that we live in. We live in a country where majority does not really rule. We live in a country where what we need to be looking at is taking power away from that federal government because you have the tyranny of the majority going on in that way and it's not even a majority it's not even a majority but you're allowed but the democrats and the republicans have figured out how to control the federal government that's what they've figured out to do they're fighting back and forth they're bickering back and forth over little things that divide us right in order to keep control over their little piece of the federal government but on average, usually it's about 10 or 12% of people get to choose, or 10, 10 or 12% of people turn out for the Republican primary, and 10 or 12% of people show up for the Democratic primary. So you have like 5 or 6% of the people that are really, you know, normally that are choosing who's going to be the nominee for that particular party. 5 or 6% of people. That's amazing to me that no one sees that as something that's wrong with this country these parties have so much power they have the political control they write the rules for our for our elections they do the the parties write the rules for the elections if you want to be on the debate stage the election commission that's run by the republicans and the democrats they're the ones that set the rules on who's going to be able to get on that debate stage it's going to be a democrat or republican that's it and, let, and if you want to be a third party, if you want to be an independent, you want to get on that debate stage, they make you jump through so many hurdles to make that happen. Gary Johnson has been out there fighting this. He's been fighting this, saying that if that person is on the ballot in all 50 states or a majority of states or whatever, they should be able to be on that debate stage too. Because that is where people start to make decisions on who they're going to vote for. People watch those debates. But if they had more choices, if people had more choices on who's, who can possibly win, you might see more people get out there and vote. You really might. It's, it's possible. But you know what? What we need to do is realize that from a political standpoint, we're not going to win in Washington. What we have to do as a people is bring that power back home take power away from the federal government elect people that are going to guarantee that they're going to go up there and start pulling away picking apart this government that we have the bureaucracy this massive bureaucracy all these things that this government controls we need to have people that are up there going to take that take that apart and bring those things back to the states bring those things back to the local governments especially like on education 
on a lot of these issues. That's what we need to do. We need to, as, as American people, we need to get out there and make sure that we can turn our back on that federal government because the federal government is a huge bureaucracy right now that is just out of control and stealing your liberty. And all these politicians do is ignore the national debt. They continue to increase spending because they don't have any, there's no repercussions of them not spending. There's none. They're going to give out promises because that's what gets them reelected. If somebody got up there and said, my, this is my, this is my platform. I'm not going to spend anything on you. I'm going to cut everything. If that was his platform, he would be laughed out of town. Absolutely laughed out of town. But that's what we need to do. We need people that are going to say that. My platform is abolish the, the Department of Education. Get rid of the IRS. You know, start picking apart the federal government one piece at a time. Start pulling back our military so that military spending can be spent elsewhere if need be. Right? Those are things that a politician needs to do. But no, you hear, I want to give out free... Or I want to make Medicare available to everybody. I want to give free college education to all student, all people. You know, I want to. That's that. That's all they're talking about. I want to increase the minimum wage. I want to, you know, make it mandatory that that businesses give you six months off for paternity leave or maternity leave or whatever. All they want to do is this promise, promise, promise. And you know what? How are we going to pay for it? We're going to tax the rich. There's not enough money that the rich people have to pay for all that stuff. This country is $22 trillion in debt. There's not enough money. But that's what these politicians do. So that's what we need to do is realize that this is not the majority rules in this country. This is 5% of people that rule in this country. 5% of people that get out there and vote in the Republican and Democratic primaries get to choose who you're going to vote for in December or in November 2020. 5% of people and you know what? The Republicans aren't even going to have somebody running against Donald Trump. So it'll be 5% of people in total that actually vote in the primaries. Maybe 10% of people that vote in the primaries um, that are going to choose who's going to be the Democratic nominee. What we need to do is stand up against that. Take that power away from the federal government so it doesn't have that much effect in our lives. Very little effect in our lives. And then what we can do at that point is worry about ourselves in our local communities. Because that is where action happens, is in the local communities. So, hey guys, I appreciate you going out, coming out today and listening. Uh, I've had a few passion episodes lately, and uh, I apologize. I'm not bringing you guys the news and all that stuff. But I just think, you know, there's some topics that I just wanted to cover. And those, that's one of them right there. Um, so I appreciate you listening. I do. And go ahead and share the episode if you'd like to. I'd love to see you do that. Uh, you can do that through Facebook because every time I publish an episode, it goes right onto the Facebook page, right? So you can get on that Facebook page and share that share that post with your friends, right? That's the easiest way to do it. Uh, you could also do it through Twitter. You could retweet my episodes. Uh, if you like what you hear, go ahead and do it. And then go ahead and subscribe so you can hear, hear more tomorrow. But hope you had a great Monday. And uh, please come back tomorrow and listen again. And you'll have clear vision for 2020.